Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to Pick a Flick, episode 11. You pick them, we watch them. Simple. I'm your host for this evening, Emma Platt, and joining me is Chris the Hague's the Hague. Hi. <laughs> and the lovely Stacey Taylor. Hello. So, let's dive right into it and let's pick a flick. Games is a 2012 American dystopian science fiction adventure film directed by Gary Ross and based on the novel of the same name by Suzanne Collins. It is the first instalment in the Hunger Games film series and was produced by Nina Jacobson and John Kilk with a screenplay by Ross Collins and Billy Wright. The story takes place in a dystopian post-apocalyptic future in the nation of Panam, where boys and girls between 17 and 18 must take part in the Hunger Games, a televised annual event in which the tributes are required to fight to the death until there is only one survivor. Primrose Everdeen. Where are you, dear? Come on up. Well, come on up. Prim! Prim! I volunteer! I volunteer! I volunteer as tribute. Uh, I believe we have a volunteer. Uh, Mr. Mayor. You need to get out of here. You need to get out of here. No. Go find Mom. No. Go find Mom right now. No. So sorry. No. Go find Mom. No. Emily, go find Mom. No. 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 Dramatic turn of events here in District 12. District 12's very first volunteer. Bring her up. Come on, dear. What's your name? Agnes Everdeen. Well, I bet my hat that was your sister, wasn't it? Yes. Let's have a big hand for our very first volunteer, Katniss Everdeen. And now, for the boys. Peter Malark. Dystopian science fiction and young adult novels being adapted, and Jennifer Lawrence's ass. Let's go, people. <laughs> she has got a spectacular ass, hasn't well, she? Well, we've all mm. seen it, haven't we? Yeah, I'm gay as hell, and I think she's got an amazing ass. I'm like, damn. <laughs> like, skipping ahead quite far in the film, but one scene where um, 
she's been sort of like what's the word i'm looking for shit like considered <laughs> i'm i'm really sorry my brain has just gone Ugh. um what's the word when they're all evaluated that's it uh, and she's yeah. like firing stuff and misses and they all just pay zero attention to her and there's a shot of her from like the angle of where the bow and arrow are sat and she d- and her ass just i was just like whoa <laughs> shit that's amazing <laughs> i remember when this came out it was being um it was the new Twilight and all that kind of stuff. I remember seeing um. the trailer in work and the last couple of seconds in the trailer, do you know where they're in the arena and you've got the countdown, 10, 9. I yeah. got proper goosebumps. I wanted to go see mm. just for the trailer alone. Yeah, I mean, I didn't actually see one in the cinemas until Friday when I went and saw the very last one. So this is quite timely, weirdly, is this selection. Uh, I don't know if Tony planned that or if it was just a I'm magic say, It's almost like Tony It's almost like it. he planned it, I know. And I saw the trailer I was like, oh, okay, it looks okay. I didn't know anything about the books or that sort of thing. But then I saw it on film for last year, the first one. And I really got into it, and I was really impressed by it, because I knew there'd been a lot of controversy over it, because it's basically killing children killing each other. Oh, I'd like to point out, there is more controversy about what the most sympathetic character in the film, Rue, being black, than there is about kids killing each other, which I think says a lot about the modern media, is that they're like, yeah, yeah, these kids killing each other's fine, <laughs> yeah. but she's black. We're supposed to sympathise <laughs> with a character who's black? I mean, how dare you? How... I'm like, you crossbred birds and made them attack super wolves in this film. You don't think a black character could make people cry in the cinemas? I blubbed. I got really emotional when she died. I, oh, I knew too. it was coming. Because I read up on Wikipedia because I'm a total spoiler person. I'm like, oh, okay, I like me knowing that sort of thing. Oh, okay, she dies, that sort of thing. And I watched it and I was just like, this is really sad. This is really... And I just... Yeah, I, I got really into it. So... Do I think it's the best Hunger Games? No, I still quite like Catching Fire. Uh, yeah, I think Catching Fire is better. It's interesting. Like, everyone said, oh, it's a rip-off of Battle Royale. Well, and, I mean, yes, you can, kind of. You can see why they would get that. But apparently, Suzanne Collins said she got the idea because she was flicking through the news one day and she saw reality TV on one channel and then on the next channel there was a news piece about war and that's how she got the idea. Yeah. For it, I was I was thinking before. It's it's scary to think it's it's not too far off a possibility of what could happen, especially with like how how rich the capital are and how poor the rest of the country are. I mean, the where I live is one of the ten most economically deprived areas in the entire country. And don't get me wrong, there aren't people starving in the streets, but you know. There are parts of where I live that aren't that dissimilar to District Twelve, well, you know. Yeah. Like, and I, it, that's I think it's quite common in a lot of areas around the country. You know, so it's not. I mean, I'm not saying that the Tory government are going to start rounding up kids and making them fight to the death. I mean, I wouldn't go no. past them. But <laughs> no. <laughs> it's the, the kind of poverty that like kind of divides between the capital and the rest of the districts. So I think. It's it, it's not really it, it's not really fiction anymore. Yeah, know? no, no, I get that. The par- you can always draw the parallels quite well from the Hunger Games because there is stuff like, like you say, there's like relative deprivation and there's the kind of the governments we're living under. You know, but political views aside, there are the governments like this kind of occurring across the world, even if we don't hear about them a lot. So it's not such it's not such a stretch really to think. Do you know I? Yeah, I would not be surprised if the report comes in from some president in a random country goes, oh yeah, I'm, I just got kids and made them fight to the death. And then the winner, I chose my bodyguard. I'm like, that is, that's not that, dis- that that's not that impossible. That's not out that far out there. And I think that's what help, really helps this film kind of ground itself. Because it, it takes a while to really sort of get going in a way. The first half of it is all the build up and the world building. And it really does yeah. help kind of get you to grips with the characters and, you know, the stark difference between District 12 and the capital and all that sort of thing. So I think that really... It, it, it works in a film, because normally it would be very slow for me. Because normally you think, oh, okay, modern blockbuster, there's at least, like, eight or nine different kind of action set pieces scattered throughout. Like, you have one at the beginning, one here, one here. And there's nothing really until the cornucopia, which is the first kind of scene in the arena, which is mm. really action and it's very much character building. You get to spend a lot of time with like Katniss and Peter and Gale and all the different characters. So I, I think it really works well. And they're quite different. You know, when people say... I think the pacing of the movie Yeah, it actually works really well. I was very sceptical. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, this is going to, you know... The first hour, nothing happens, really. But then so much happens in 
shaping how you see the characters so you actually care for them and it really hits you when they start so i mean that first bit once the countdown mm. starts and they're all sort yeah. of looking at each other like right what am i going to pick up who am i going to off first the instant they start running it just yeah. it's fucking chaos and it's like because i i was a bit concerned about this film because i'd never read the books and a lot of people were saying to me oh you know it's like well it's like a toned down battle royale and i was like who the fuck would tone down battle royale yeah. that film is tits like why would you do that that's nonsense but then when I actually went to see it, I mean, I rewatched it today as well, just to refresh my saggy old memory. And that first hour, like, it does so much in building up not just um, Katniss and Peter, but a lot of the other characters as well, particularly like Rue, that when you actually get in there and they start proper tearing into each other, it's fucking harsh. Like, my heart was just like, oh, Jesus! Like, oh, and the bit oh. with the bees. I mean, oh. I can't even. The, tr- the tracker jackers. Oh, that bit is yeah. horrible. Mm. I'm going to say, that's one Stress. thing I always thought was really weird about this film, that you do see the kids kind of... They do, obviously, they kill each other and that sort of thing. But you have a moment where, for example, there's a villainous... I say villainous, but she's like a 16-year-old girl. I think it's Clove. She's one of the last girls, basically. And she comes after Katniss at the this kind of stockpile thing. And she's like, oh, I killed her, all that sort of thing. And you have a moment, and I was genuinely shocked by myself. Because I, I was like, yeah, kill her, smash her face and all this sort of thing. And then I was like, oh my god, no, she's a teenager. It, it's really messed up. You find yourself in that moment going... Jesus Christ, I'm actually rooting for one teenager to kill another teenager. And it's such a, a weird thing, and it does make you think, really. I mean, the the cast themselves were, were much older than they were actually portrayed in the books, I believe. So, I mean, I saw it on Tumblr, there was a thing of an actual kind of 14-year-old Jennifer Lawrence and a 14-year-old Ch- uh, Josh Hutcherson, and they look so young. And you just oh, imagine, yeah. yeah, that's if you actually saw that, you'd be even more mortified. Because they were like 18, 19 when they played this. So it's it is really startling and it is really scary and dark and kind of brutal in a way in that I can't see it getting any of the Twilight or even the Harry Potter comparisons because even when Harry Potter went dark it was never kind of as brutal as this. I think it helped that um, Collins actually adapted yeah. the, helped yeah. adapt the screenplay as well. So I think that was probably a massive help. I think this was like Jennifer Lawrence's breakthrough role. I mean I know she was nominated for an Oscar yeah. for Winter's Bone before this. But there was 30 actresses in the run of Katniss, including Hayley Steinfeld, Abigail Breslin, Emma Roberts, Chloe Grace Mortez, and Emily Browning. And I think Emily Browning would have been quite good. I mean, I like Sucker yeah, Punch. Yeah, I will defend Sucker Punch to the death. I love that film. And I, I really like Emily Browning. I wish she got way more work than she does. She's really good. Yeah, I could have seen Emily... But then Emily Browning was apparently uh, Stephanie Meyer's first choice for Bella in Twilight as well. Which is quite weird. I think that the Twilight comparisons are completely unfair yeah. because it was a love triangle over three books, and that was basically it. I mean, there's, you've probably seen it yourselves loads on like Reddit and Instagram and Tumblr. If you take away the love triangle from this film, it's still a film about kids killing each other and about this revolution. It's not just take away the top the love triangle from Twilight and what have you got? Fucking depression and yeah, weird pretty anymore. much. And I'm not being funny, if anyone nominates Twilight and I get put on that fucking podcast, I will refuse to watch it and I will just spend the entire 20 minutes going, go fuck yourself, name a person who nominated. So don't even bother. I think as well, Catch a Fire is really good and it's got the same sort of pacing, like it hits the same sort of notes story-wise, but Mockingjay Part 1, holy fucking Christ on a cracker. I still haven't seen that because I'm a bit anti, you know, like um, with The Hobbit, for example, I refuse to go and see that because I'm like, it was one book, it doesn't need to be three movies. Like, because a lot of stuff as well in books, you can you can cut out or doesn't need translating to film. So there's not going to be enough in, in one book to make two movies without me being asleep for one of them, probably. So I still haven't bothered with uh, with Mockingjay. I probably should. No. No, okay. I'll, I'll be on it because I've. I mean, Mockingjay Part One's on Netflix, and I watched it a few weeks ago, and I made my brother watch it because he watched The Hunger Games and he hated it. And I'm like, no, you're gonna shut up and watch Mockingjay with me. Shut up. And I'll be honest, so much didn't happen. There, there, there is one sequence in the middle of the film, and then one towards the end, and that's about it. And a lot of it is exposition and building up and all this sort of thing. And a lot of the same beats get repeated. Part Two does have a lot more going on for it, but it's. I, I will say, it is such a bleak film. I mean, I'm, I'm weirdly, I'm on a podcast tomorrow talking about this, 
But uh, no, it's such a bleak film, and it's saying something when hunger <clears throat> when the first hunger you're like, oh, this is this is actually kind of the lightest what in in many ways, and uh, you know, and it and Captain Fire are definitely the lighter too, because when you look at Mockingjay Part One and Two, they're they're so bleak, they're so dark that it's. It's really weird to think, oh, the first one, you're looking back on, you know, the original Hunger Games, you're like, oh, this is when it was all a bit happier. It was just kids killing each other in an arena. And <laughs> you look back at it kind of fondly. You're just <laughs> like, oh, bless. But uh, I, I do quite like it. I do quite like it as a film. I don't think Elizabeth Banks gets enough credit for it. No, Effie is the best. Because especially between Hunger Games and Catching Fire, her, like emotional journey as a character the way she grows like i remember she's in the train taking them to the capital for the first time and she goes it's nice that you've got these things even if it's only for a little while and then like when you see in catching fire she's actually like yeah. she's upset when she calls Katniss's name out and then she picks like hamish you can see she's so upset and this is like a woman who's lived in the capital her whole life she thinks it's a great honor to be in the games and in the space of one film she's gone against all that she ends up you know with on the other side of it and i think she doesn't get enough credit and effie's just amazing anyway she's just she <laughs> must have been sweating cobs in all those makeup well, and wigs and dresses i can't feel that the outside Jesus. scenes though cause it must have been freezing outside she must have been like i'm fucking happy here yeah. i have so much makeup and layers on and there are some poor kids you know like in that first scene when they're dragging them you know, Katniss, uh, Primrose gets dragged. Why do I call her Primrose? Prim, Jesus. Um, well, her name dra- is Primrose. I know, but no one ever calls her it. It's always just Prim, and I just, uh, yeah. When she gets dragged and they're all in the short sleeve and everything, I'm like, that must be really freezing, and Effie's there in, like, layers and stuff. No, I, yeah, I love Effie's journey in it, and it reminds me a lot of, if there's any Game of Thrones people, it reminds me a bit of Sansa's. In that she starts off with this very sheltered, very, you know, she believes in everything, and she's like, yeah, oh, I believe in this, well, that sort of thing. And then she sees the dark side, and then she kind yeah. of changes and she matures and that sort of thing. So you've got to think what Effie's gone through in her journey to actually become that. How much of the rhetoric has she had to swallow? Cause, exactly, Because yeah. you don't instantly turn someone with one encounter from being a total zealot into someone who goes against the cause and joins the you know, rebellion, all that sort of thing. So there must have been something in Effie to begin with that's been tampered down and she's had to conceal, you know, it's like Let It Go, the song, it's like, conceal, don't feel. And it's just like she's had to do that a hell of a lot. Yeah, I think, like you said, to go from growing up in the capital and seeing the games one way, then to come over to the other side yeah. as quickly as she did. Like you said, it doesn't, It you know, in terms of Effie's life, it's happened overnight for her. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I do, I do enjoy them. I think they're quite a good adaptation of the book. Mm, um, yeah. And I think the series is a bit, it's a bit hit and miss at the minute. I haven't seen Mark and J Park too, but compare it to like Twilight. Oh and, God. You know, like <laughs> the do we maze, have to? Please no, no. That's not like and the Maze Runner and what's the other one like Divergent. Mm. I think it's it's more solid than those series yeah. have been. And it's kind of like when this came out, everyone said it's a new Twilight, but I feel like. Now everyone's calling other films the new Hunger Games. Yeah. So it set a, it set a new standard for like teen films and adaptations of young adult fiction, which is not a particularly well respected mark, you know, area. So I think it's brought a little bit of like almost legitimacy and respect to that kind of area. Yeah. Which doesn't normally get it. So you know that that's good. Our first nomination tonight comes from Robo McGovern, who you can find on Twitter at RoboQ50. <laughs> So, let's talk a little bit more about dystopian films. What does dystopia mean? Well, it comes from a Greek word that I can't pronounce, and it is an imaginary community (laughs) or society that is undesirable or frightening. It is literally translated as not good place. Such societies appear in many artistic works, particularly in stories set in the future. Dystopias are often characterised by dehumanisation, totalitarian government, ruthless mega corporations, and environmental disaster. So, we asked on the Twitters and on the Facebook for people to tell us about their, you know, favourite dystopian films. So, let's go to the Twitters. Chris Wilson, he said, all young adult dystopias are naff. Top Shop Dystopia, telling lies to audiences you can overcome the system by being you. Best Dystopia by definition is The Truman Show. Best by the traditional dystopia look is Terry Gillum's Brazil. Tom 
Barwick said Verhoeven Scoffest, Blade Runner, Starship Troopers, Alien, Robocop, and Wally is interesting as it is a kid's dystopian film. Crawl Space Dweller Matt, that's not a name that's going to give me nightmares tonight or anything. <laughs> the World Stinks Except Japan is an odd dystopian flick about refugees and nationalities in which Japan makes fun of the world. I kind of just thought Japan was making fun of the world anyway. Claire Tanner said Children of Men and Maya Brooker, I hope I said your name right, said The Hunger Games as a concept, also Equilibrium and of course Blade Runner. And over on the Facebooks, the lovely Owen Hughes said, as far as young adult dystopia goes, how I live now was much better than I expected it to be. So, people, what are our favourite dystopian films? In a really shallow way, I love, and I will defend, again, I will defend this film to the death, is uh, Michael Bay's The Island. That had so much potential. Yeah. Out of, right, out of the 2005 summer blockbuster season, yeah. The Island was the only film that was not a remake reboot sequel prequel or based on previously published material wow and we had it on for two weeks and that was it i was gonna say i i generally had to go see it in the first week because i looked and i was like wow the time's really going quick on this um but yeah i quite like it. i mean because it all see i mean you can tell instantly that someone's a bit often you know it's a dystopia but because of the clones and the way they view it for the majority of the film it's a very shiny shiny corporate kind of paradise for them i i can't remember who you just said said children of men that is a fantastic choice i if we're going back old school maybe like logan's run because that Ooh, yeah because that's like a utopia turned dystopia particularly when you know you when it's got the crystals in the hands and how they actually you know get rid of their old which is when they just send them up flying and they just disintegrate into dust which i think is an awesome solution it's just like bye bye old people <laughs> No, that's disgusting and gross. So, clear dystopia. I've got a really cheesy one that probably oh, no it. one's going to agree with. I uh, I am a notorious uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. I absolutely <gasps> love is this his ridiculous man? films. It's fucking Running Man. I love right, Running this, Man. Oh, that film is so brilliant. <laughs> I think it kind of like let's link it into Hunger Games, guys, because I'm feeling in a you know professional <laughs> podcasting kind of mood. It, it it really plays on the idea of like reality TV gone bananas in the sense that like. You know, Hunger Games is sort of based on... I think even one of the characters says it at the start. Like, if we don't watch, they won't do it anymore. But everybody watches because, you know, kids are killing each other. And so The Running Man is just like... Yeah, it's this horrendous, like, idea of reality TV gone to such an extent that we're like, do you know what? We can't just watch people in the Big Brother house do stupid shit anymore. Like, we need to see something a bit meatier. Um, So they just start, like, pitching prisoners against one another in these horrendous, like, death zones. And it's got some classic Arnie one-liners in it. (laughs) I just love that movie. I went to uh, an Arnold Schwarzenegger overnight thing at the uh, Prince Charles Cinema in London uh, earlier this year and there were six movies on and Running Man was slap in the middle and I was like I don't care about anything else I have to be awake for this movie even though it starts at like three in the morning do not give a shit because it is actually like I think it's one of his best yeah (laughs) I know a lot of people would say Stace have you fucking seen Terminator you idiot but yeah I have and I still like Running Man better sorry I mean to be fair Running Man is managed to kind of be really dark and really kind of fun in a concept it's such a kind of great popcorn film I mean the original book is is actually even darker because I think it's Oh god, it's like Richard Batman or Stephen King who did it, and it's it's really good. But I yeah, I saw the film uh, last year and I loved it, and I was just like, oh, this is it's so cheesy, but I love it. It really is. Yeah, I love it. it yeah. I think I would have to go with uh, Starship Troopers. Oh, I love that film. Oh my god, I saw it like when it was on video years and years and years ago, and even back then I was like, this is fucking amazing. Do you want to know more? Oh, I love it. It's just, it's a bit mental, but in like the best possible way. And also, there's a, when you were saying about um, The Runner Man and Stacey, there is a WWE studio films called The Condemned with Steve Austin. And they've just made The Condemned 2 with Randy Orton. And I swear, it's like people killing each other on telly. I'm pretty sure it is. I mean, I'm not saying it's like an amazing dystopia film, but I just want to give a shout out to Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah, th- those are definitely on my to-watch list now because that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. So that that's wraps up our conversation about dystopian films. Do you agree? Disagree? Let us know on Twitter. Not me personally, because you know, don't upset me. But let us know if you agree. I pick a flick pod. So it's time to pick another flick. 
Our next nominated flick comes from Skip to the End, who you can follow it on Twitter at STTE Podcast, and their nomination is Mac and Me, which I definitely haven't been calling Mac and Cheese all week. Mac and Me, aka Mac and Me, uh, big M, big A, big C, mm, is a 1988 American science fiction adventure film co-written with Steve Feck. Fecky? <laughs> I'm gonna say Feck. I hope his name's Feck. And directed by Stuart Rafel about a mysterious alien creature. Do you get that mysterious? A- it's clever, that isn't it? That escapes from nefarious NASA agents and is befriended by a boy who uses a wheelchair due to paraplegia. Together they try and find Max's family who have been se- that he has been separated from. Okay, kid, let's get this dance contest going. He's here. What? This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I don't know. Just keep him dancing. They'll just think he's a teddy. Okay, pick up the bass. very good, Kathy. Right, so, yeah. E.T. came out in 1982, and this piece of shit came out in 1988. And let's get the fucking effects out of the way. The effects are piss-fucking poor. Oh, my fucking holy God. It is six years older than E.T., and it looks like it was made fucking 20 years before. It is awful. And they wanted to make a sequel to it. 
Like, legitimately. And that fucking scene where he falls off the cliff in the wheelchair. <laughs> first of all, the wheelchair breaks. <laughs> the brake on the wheelchair snaps off. What type of shoddy person made that fucking wheelchair? And what type of mother bought that wheelchair for her child with a brake fucking snapping off? Do you know what I mean? Then he survives a 50-foot fall off a cliff into a pool and survived. Like, the fall alone would have fucking killed him. And then he floats for a little bit. Like, so the wheelchair's not dragging him down, no? Because I'm assuming... My absolute, absolute favourite thing about that scene is when the little girl shouts, Swim, Eric! And I was thinking, he can't use his legs! (laughs) 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 So fucking inappropriate! He goes, did you see the creature? And the mum's just like... No. And I'm thinking, your, your kid just fell off a fucking cliff. She get, like, I genuinely think she thinks he tried to kill himself in that scene because she says something along the lines of, like, oh, why would he do this? Like, yeah, why would he throw himself off a cliff? Like, what, what is... And she doesn't seem to care that much either, though. It's just like, oh, well, let's dry him off, like. I need to, um, I need to preface everything I say about this movie with the fact that... Um, skip to the end podcast. You are now my least favourite people in the world. I have a legitimate phobia of... E.T. And when I say <laughs> when I say phobia, I don't mean like oh I can't watch the movie, it's a bit weird. I mean like any sort of photograph, clip of E.T. that comes on the telly, just nightmare city for me for the next like week and a half. Just everything about him terrifies me. The way he looks, the way he moves, like his stupid squealy voice, terrifying. So I have never like before this weekend, I had completely avoided Mac and me because the only scene from it I've ever seen is that wheelchair <laughs> madness because I don't know if you guys know Paul Rudd used to do a thing oh, I can't yeah. remember what, yes. what talk show it was yeah. yeah where he used to go on this talk show when every film that he was uh, he it, was in he would say like, like, oh here's his clip there you go and he'd be like oh do you want to see a clip from my new movie and it'd just be that clip from Mac and me <laughs> and that like minute and a half clip alone of Mac and me scared me enough to never want to watch it so this movie opens with with four of these fucking aliens looking like <laughs> the absolute shitting worst. Uh, like within minutes, I was almost in tears. I was that scared. Like this movie is horrible looking. And so like the scene where they get sort of captured by NASA, mm. it seems yeah. to me like NASA had actually intended to just vacuum up some rocks from wherever the fuck that. Yeah. They landed, yeah. they were just like, yeah, let's get some rocks, some Mars rocks, that'll do. But they accidentally vac up a bunch of aliens. So <laughs> here's a question. Why do the NASA blokes spend so much time chasing Mac, like literally to the point of chasing a wheelchair-bound kid through a fucking wall? <laughs> but they, none of them seem to give a shit about the other three in the desert who are just slowly dying of not drinking Coke, I think. Oh my I, god. I, <laughs> 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 what the fuck is this movie? Somebody please explain this movie Sorry, to me. I just this movie is oh. nothing more than ninety minutes plus of fucking commercials for crap. What McDonald's, the, the McDonald's the song. How the did everyone know the fucking dance? Does everyone know this dance? Is this some sort of dystopian parallel universe? Is this like a reverse footloose? Dance for our supper. <laughs> From... Except for the kid in the wheelchair, let's dance around the kid in the wheelchair who can't fucking dance. I will say, I will say, I like how they use a genuine actor who was disabled yeah. for the role. That, yeah. that was actually really nice. I thought, oh, well, compared to, you know, the fact we can't do that with, like, modern shows or films and that. I thought that was nice, but I just, I there was so much about this film. I really, I really wanted to like it. I wanted to kind of let my cynicism fade away, but it was so shit. It's terrible. It like, you awful. know, the big... You know the big action piece at the end with yeah. all the explosions for no good reason? <laughs> you know, that all starts because a security guard trips over his own fucking car and sets his gun on. <laughs> he trips over a parked shitting car and a gun goes off. And I just, I can't. It's so nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Oh, my God. Hey, we need to talk about, you know, the scene where they decide to vacuum up Mac for some reason, mm-hmm. uh, the kid in the wheelchair and, and, and his neighbour next door. Did you notice, like, there's a hilarious bit where, like, Mac's obviously controlling the vacuum that's on this kid's back for some reason. And so she's, like, on the ceiling and she's flapping around. Like, we're talking about terrible effects. There's a, a scene where it drops from the ceiling to the floor and it, they're clearly using a dummy because if anyone else's <laughs> legs fell that way... Oh my god, you'd be so paralysed. I was just watching this whole film. Like, is this, is this film like trying to tell you about 
just not being able to use your legs ever. Like, it's so yeah. weird. I don't... And I can't, I can't get behind this message of, like, of, of like, Coca-Cola being some sort of, like, elixir to Mars people. Because they didn't seem to have any Coke on Mars yeah. or wherever the shit they were from. And why were NASA so harassing? And why are they American citizens at the end? How yes, do I forget this? I yes, do like, that. Why? Why? That make why no fucking sense? Why would your idea be, let's not put them back where they came from and obviously want to go live again. Why don't we just put them in some shitting clothes and make them American citizens and give them a car? What the fuck? No, do you know... Do I you, just... Do you know my feelings about that scene? I swear to God, I watched it today. I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this film and that sort of thing. And we got to the last scene and they became American citizens. And all I could think is... You know those poor fuckers who are stood behind them. Those rows of people who've worked hard. They're like, yes, I'm going to come to make a new life. And then they look up front and what the fuck is there? It's those four looking like they're melted. And you're just like, really? Really? What was the sequel going to be? Was it going to be them learning English and getting jobs? Like, what? And paying taxes. Taxes. Mac and and me too. The IRS. <laughs> this film has got a zero percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Zero percent. I'm surprised it hasn't got a uh, negative rating. I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if it's just like it's stealing good reviews from other stuff. Like it's someone's like gone ET. It's like well, I saw Mac and Me and then I saw ET. I would have liked ET, but now I hate Mac and Me, so I hate ET. So it's kind of like dragging positive reviews from other films it's like a black hole of shit it made six million at the box office and it had a profit sharing arrangement with the ronald mcdonald children's charity which you know is completely fucking obvious because ronald mcdonald gets his own bastard credits at the end (laughs) (laughs) right how did this get past the shoot like okay i've got this script it's about an alien who befriends a lonely little boy and is chased by the government and someone went wasn't that out a couple of years ago? And the other fellow went, no, no, it's all right. No, yeah, but, it, but like, no, 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 it's fine. This this one's got an extended scene where a kid in a wheelchair is like riding beside his jogging mom for like 20 minutes. With And, and Max on the little like Tonka truck thing following him and everyone's just like, it's an alien there, isn't that true? <laughs> Do you know, I'm, I've got such a phobia of dogs as well. I was like, this movie is just trying to get in everything that I'm shitting scared it's of. It's really triggering, scene, yeah. Oh, it really is. I'm ne- like, I'm not going to sleep for weeks now. One thing I will say, and one thing I was genuinely confused by, by the whole shebang, that sort of thing, you know, it's nice that they had a kid in a wheelchair as the protagonist, and you know, real thing, all that sort of thing. Why? I I just, what was the purpose for having the main kid be in a wheelchair, or was it supposed to be a bit like Furiosa in Mad Max, where they've got a disability, and you know it, but it's not really a plot point it's not mentioned or i don't, don't i think they were trying to make it more like well we can't have a divorced dad because et did that so what can we do put the kid in the wheelchair sound <laughs> check mark next please next problem it's like what can what can we saddle the kid with loneliness okay why is he lonely is it because he's recently is a bit moved farty isn't it for the 80s yeah. but uh, disabilities are in aren't they kids this year <laughs> oh my god I've, got, I've just got a vision of you in like an 80s meeting with like shoulder pads <laughs> just like what's in this meeting disabilities right okay let's let's just get if loads I of had been this age in the 80s I would have been fucking Joan Collins in Dynasty that's what I would have been with the yeah. fucking shoulder pads and the hair to heaven it's <laughs> This film has got no fucking charm. It has no, no charm at all. And the, the fucking puppets, right? I don't like puppets. I won't watch Labyrinth because, not because of David Bowie's codpiece, but because of the puppets. And because of one puppet in particular. And I don't give a fuck. It's the worm. The worm that invites Sarah into the world for a the cup worm. of tea. What the fuck is wrong with you, Wave? Can you not see the size of that woman? How the fuck is she going to get into your wall? And if she does, I'll fix your fucking cup of tea. <laughs> I cannot watch that film. And that worm's the one that kicks me off every fucking time. Because I used to think, oh, she's going to get in the wall. And if she gets in the wall, she's not going to get out of the wall. And then she's going to be in the wall forever and ever. And what's with the fucking gangly, arty-farty, big hairy things fucking juggle on their own heads? What the fuck? Honest to God. And even even the fucking little dwarf thing, I can't remember his name, he freaks me out, there's no need for it. There is, oh, thank you, there is no need for puppets. There is, the Muppets are okay because they're not puppets. They're um, real. Okay no, he's a Muppet. <laughs> Muppet. 
<laughs> better than a puppy. Puppets are evil, and we all fucking know it. And these, like you said, Chris, they look like someone made them, and then left the fire all night accidentally, and they melted, and they thought, oh shit, we haven't got the budget to fix this. At one point, I thought one of them had a hat on, like they'd melted the head over a cowboy hat or a thing. And I was like... What the hell? <laughs> he had no movement to it either. Like, E.T. was at least fucking expressive. This just was... Ooh. Yeah, their faces were... It's the big goggly eyes. More oh. expression on a scouse bear than a Saturday night who's just been with <laughs> Botox. It was... Uh, for me, it was the scene. The scene that really did it was uh, when uh, the three that were lost in the desert for a while are almost dead. And the kids find them and they're like, shit, somebody get me a fucking can of Coke stat. So they get the Coke in and they're all drinking it and they all perk up like, oh, mm, oh my God, Coke, it's so nutritious, what the fuck. And they, the dad thing, I assume it's a dad, none of them have got genitalia. Um, but the dad <laughs> looking... <laughs> they're smooth like a Ken doll down there, smooth like a Ken doll. The dad one sort of gets up and he does this really weird wobbly movement and his hands are always... I'm trying to do it and you can't fucking see. But um, <laughs> he's doing this like wobbly movement, almost like like he's trying to impersonate someone who's disabled. And it made me really cross. It was made me cross and it also made me a little bit like, you know, just check under the bed before you go to sleep tonight, Stace. <laughs> there's just everything about them is just shitting terrifying. Wrong. Yes, they are abominations against nature. They are awful. And in all fairness, though, if I was in a desert, the first thing I'd want is a can of Diet Coke, personally. I have to open a can of Coke overnight so it's there for me in the morning to drink. I have a serious Diet Coke This is probably a bit too much information, but I've become so allergic to Diet Coke that even, like, half a can of it will give me the world's most explosive diarrhea. (laughs) Instantly. It's just wow. like, oh, sip, sip, blah. Oh, no. <laughs> Can I ask a question about this movie? I, I realise zero of it makes any sense, but here's me trying to make sense of life. The scene where Mac just puts a load of plants in the living room and then cuts a hole in the door and the mum's like, oh, a kid in a wheelchair. What the fuck did you do this for? Clearly he didn't do it. I'm sorry. Like, you know, he's very able and he's very good at, you know, but he's there's no way he did all that overnight whilst you guys were asleep and none of you fucking noticed. So, like, why did, why did Mac do that? What was he trying to... What was happening? Someone explain this movie. Maybe he was the antagonist all along and he was just trying to get the little, you know, the little kid in trouble. Maybe we were just like, I'm just going to fuck shit up for you because there's nothing yeah, else going on in like... this film. I can do what I want because who the fuck's going to believe you? That doesn't yeah. alien you, little you're a kid, you're, you're... And then I'm going to shag your mum. <laughs> well, she's like, ha ha ha, like... you're in a wheelchair. You can't fucking follow me. <laughs> and just runs off. <laughs> and that's just really mean. You just like. Just runs you... up a load of stairs. Ah! And points from the top. <laughs> <laughs> like a darling. Just like, ah, you can't get me. And it's just like, oh shit. Oh, damn it. Oh. Here's a fun Mac and Me fact for you. One of those McDonald's dancers is a young Jennifer Aniston. Yes, I know. Yeah, this is, this <laughs> is Jennifer Aniston's first, like, uncredited appearance. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I was directed by the three football players who randomly, even though they're like, oh, yes! the 80s football players, I'm like, like they, they, are the, they are the gayest. <laughs> they were football. full on twerking. I know, they they were busting out some I was like, Oh damn girl, move it and they were all there like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're so we're so macho and much and I'm like, No, you're not <laughs> you're not So you reckon they were just like, Oh, let's go get a big Mac and then halfway down the road it's like when there was like Todd, what are you doing? He was like, I don't know, but the new duck's got me and he was like shimmying all the way up. I actually started dancing in my chair then, I was probably shimmying in the chair yeah. trying to show you what I meant, but like Stacey said, you can't fucking see. I think it's fair to say. That none of us enjoyed this film. Yes. Nah, it's shit. <laughs> it's, it's a like, bag of wank. It has done some good because I feel like it's brought the three of us closer together. Yes, it has. You know. We all and have this shared experience. the lasting legacy of Mac and Me, then God damn it, Mac and Me, well done. I salute you. Yes. Thank you, Mac so, and Me, for being <laughs> you. <laughs> Thank you for being so shit. Yeah, basically. <laughs> time it's quiz time oh, uh stacy it's quiz time it's quiz time i've been inordinately stacey. nervous about this <laughs> like really nervous you can't do any worse than chris did last time he was on when he got like one and it was on horror films and i was like i i was so ashamed my memory is notoriously shit though you see so you know you look i remember my own name most times <laughs> uh, 
I would like to point out, Emma, I got five and a half last time I was on here because it was my specialist film and that. But it was really obscure horror stuff you were doing, and I still beat the. I guy, didn't so. pick the questions. Tony picked them, and I'm sorry, but what was the original working title for Scream? Is not an obscure question for a horror. Fan. I know, I know, it's I know, it's <laughs> yeah, scary movie. Yeah. All right. You fucking up your game next time, Hagster. You yes. up your fucking game. All right, right Platosaurus Rex. So Stacy has chosen to be tested on the awesome stepbrothers. Stacy. Are you ready? Not really. <laughs> no. Okay, question one. The fake testicles that Will Ferrell uses and which were presented to him as a present when the film wrapped were worth how much? Well, I don't fucking know. Three million dollars. <laughs> that is incorrect, Stacey. I'm sorry. I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> the correct answer was $200,000. Really? For a pair of fake knackers? <laughs> right, question two. Mary Steenburgen, 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 plays Farrell's mother in the film. In what movie does she play his stepmother? Well, that's not fair, because that's not a fucking question about this movie, is it? Now I'm blanking on any movies with him even fucking in. Nope. <laughs> the correct answer is Elf. Oh, shit, oh, shit yeah. yeah. Shit, that's like my super favourite Christmas film. I hate myself right now. <laughs> to be fair, I think me and Chris have probably melted your brain. Yeah. And Mac and me. You had to watch Mac oh, and Yeah, me. I was going to say, I'm blaming all of this on Mac and me. <laughs> I'm too busy looking around the room trying to figure out if any of my teddy bears are going to start moving around and dancing. Question three. Oh, this is all going to shit. What is George the George W. Bush quote displayed at the beginning of the film? Oh, bollocks um it's something about dreams and wings and taking flight but i don't know i'm gonna give Shit. you a point for that i am i'm gonna give you a point for that the quote is families is where our nation find hope where wings take dream i want to <laughs> let that sink in for a wow. minute i'm giving you a point for that and i wonder if he just like had dice with different words on and threw it together and was like that's my quote because it doesn't actually make sense question four the song feral sings poor Forty Volare, yeah, that one, was also used as the opening credit song in which other of his films? This isn't questions about Step Brothers. Mm, I'm gonna say Blades of Glory because it seems like correct. that might have that song in. Nice. Yes, get in. I'm doing a victory dance because I've got one whole <laughs> question right. <laughs> question five: What is the Steven Seagal film that Brennan and Dale watch? Oh, I know this. It's above the law. Yay! <laughs> Shut <Should have> roll out. <laughs> Question six. In the scene, Brennan and Dale show off what they have. The camera pans round to show a car light on top of a chest of drawers. What company does it advertise? <laughs> I thought I was on a roll. Uh, and now I realise I was just really uh, lucky. Oh, I have no idea. McDonald's. <laughs> it's Hugo's Pizza. Oh. What? shrug <laughs> question seven when brennan pretends to be a corpse what has he supposedly died of i have no idea i'd see i remember the scene really clearly because i know that dale's like clutching him like he only died yesterday and i can't <laughs> I, I genuinely can't remember aids <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> it was asbestos fibers in the house Okay, last question. What is the name of the entertainment company the brothers attempt to set up? Oh, Prestige Worldwide. You are correct. Stacey Taylor, you have got four points. Woo! Fucking hell. Yeah, well done. <laughs> that wraps up the madness for another week. Hey, sir. Tell us all about yourself, love. Go on. Oh, hello. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, what? This is like a really awkward, okay, cubic thing. Tell me about myself. Um, I, do, I don't. I, uh, I'm a Sagittarius. I like long walks. And... Uh, what, no, Where can well, we no, find no. you on the internet? Yeah, um, you can find me generally being kind of fanboy about lots of different kind of stuff on Twitter at uh, higher underscore boy. I generally flit about doing random podcasts whenever they ask me to because it's it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, you can just find me about when I'm doing that and other stuff. Stacey, where can we find you? 
Well, um, you know, like every man and his dog, I've obviously got a podcast. And uh, <laughs> that's called Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour, which is a monthly ramble fest about all things pop culture, which you can find at popcultureparlour.podbean.com. Um, or you can follow Stacey's Parlour on Twitter or StaceBobT on Twitter. But I will warn you that my personal account has a lot of ranting at the bus service in Birmingham <laughs> on it. Um, <laughs> so it's not very interesting come follow me you can find us on twitter at pick a flick pod um, feel free to send us your nominations for future podcasting episodes or they can appear on the blog we're also on the facebooks and uh, we've got a blog and stuff as well so check that out we you can find us on itunes feel free to leave us a review and i've got some lovely comments not bad though no i've got a gentle i've got a really you know sensitive soul i couldn't take it and we're also on Something else. Stitcher. Stitcher? Is that a thing? Acast? Acast? Tinder. (laughs) Tinder. Well, speak for yourself, Miss Taylor. Grinder, but that's just me. Um. (laughs) Go on Pick a Flick Pod, and the links are always there. And next time I know what I'm talking about. You can, if you really wish, follow me on Twitter at Crushing82. I must warn you, my tweets lately have been about my love affair with the WWE Tag Team Champions The New Day, who rock. You can follow my ever-declining mental breakdown over my masters <laughs> and my rants about life, the universe, and everything. You can also, if you would like to join the fun, the fun of Pick a Flick, feel free to drop us a line and you can specially request to be on an episode with me. I know, it's a privilege. I must warn you, I'm contractually obliged to always have Chris Haig or Chris Byrne on with me. <laughs> I really am. Um, I will be back in the hosting chair till the new year, and then you'll be sick to death of me because I'm doing it every other week. So you will watch the increasing severity of my mental decline, which will be super fun. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Bye. 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 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.